With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday evening for me. You'll probably be tuning into this one on Tuesday morning or soon after. This is going to be an interesting episode of Nuggets Numbers. I'm not going to be doing a lot of looking back on what has happened. I'm going to be doing more looking forward. The Nuggets had that Friday loss at the watch party, which, by the way, was awesome. I really enjoyed myself. There are a lot of Nuggets fans there. Probably at least 150 people in the building at Stoney's Uptown Joint. We had a great time. We had a really, really fun time. The place was packed out. Food was great. Beer was awesome. I had a lot of fun. There were lots of giveaways. If you're interested in going to one of our watch parties at some point... Definitely check in on those. Definitely, definitely check in. We're going to have another one, I believe, against the San Antonio Spurs on March 13th. That's going to be fun. I don't remember where that's taking place, which bar that's going to be at. But if it's anything like this last one, then it's going to be packed. It's going to be going to be a lot of fun hanging out with Nuggets fans. Met a lot of new people, shook a lot of hands, bought a lot of drinks. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Another announcement, Denver Stiffs and DNVR are partnering for a charity event with Hope Kids Colorado. Really excited to be doing this again. Adam Mares of DNVR, formerly of Denver Stiffs, of course. This has been his project for the last couple of years, and he asked me if I wanted to be a part of it, if we wanted to continue bringing the Denver Stiffs audience into this event to try and generate as much revenue as much charity money as possible if you're unfamiliar with the event hope kids colorado is an organization that brings kids together that have either cancer or other life-threatening illnesses really tough time for them really tough time for their families and they just try and bring those people closer together they put on events they put on they play games they get people out to nuggets games like we're going to try and do there are lots of fun things and hope is the best medicine is their mission statement it's on their mission statement and i firmly believe that and if we can give them just a little bit of hope just a little bit of fun to to take their to just take their minds off of their current situations to have a great time at a basketball game what what better cause is there to donate than to that? I There is none. There honestly is none. So I'm really looking forward to it. The game that we are going to bring Hope Kids Colorado out to is on April 5th against the Utah Jazz. It's going to be a fun one. It's a Sunday afternoon game. 
and there's a really, really easy way for you to donate. Just go to denverstiffs.com and find the post that I had on Hope Kids Colorado, and there are a couple of different ways that you can donate. One of them is you could just buy tickets on the link that I put down there. It's going to put all of that ticket money into one pool, and there are going to be specific sections that the Nuggets have laid out for for all of the Hope Kids participants, their families, the kids, for all of them to be at. And that will be that'll be a, a great way to do that. The tickets are each $15. I recommend if if you don't like if you there are other ways to just donate money as well, but I recommend that is the easiest possible way to guarantee that there are going to be X number of people that are going to the game and you can donate any number of any number of tickets that you want and we'd be very happy if you donated as much as you can or not as much as you can but just any little bit any little bit helps honestly and then the second primary way is we are we have come out with socks some some great hoop swag socks from the company hoop swag we are partnering with them as well DNVR and Denver Stiffs have each created a hoop swag sock theirs has their logo on it it's it's very personalized for the dnvr crowd the denver stiffs one is more it's it's got a mile high theme i really love it it's got a great design on on it's it's unique to both to both socks it's not like a, a mirrored image or anything like that they're really really cool really go with anything you want to put on i think that's that's one of the best things that we've done honestly. So I'm looking forward to it. If you have interest, then reach out to me on Twitter or on that post at denverstiffs.com and just donate. There's going to be a lot of kids that you can put smiles on their faces. And I really do think that that is going to be the best possible way to feel good in in such a a tough time with, with everything that's going on. So make a family happy, make kids happy and and donate on denverstiffs.com. Okay, this episode of Nuggets Numbers is going to be about the 10 biggest factors during the remainder of the regular season. These are the 10 things that I'm looking out for during these final 22 games. The Nuggets have played 60 games. They're 41 and 19. They're very, very good. They may not be great, but they are very, very good. That is very clear. So I'm looking forward to seeing... A variety of things come up for the rest of the regular season and we will just we'll have to kick it off I'm gonna go in reverse order of the most important things we'll break this up into three segments so I can comment on on each of these things and we'll just go from there okay reverse order number 10 the Nuggets have to find spots to rest Nikola Jokic for the rest of the regular season March is a very difficult month for Denver they have a lot of games. There, there are a lot of tough games. There's a stretch of six of seven against really good playoff teams. That is going to be a, a really, really tough stretch for Denver during the middle and late of March. But there are times, there are going to be spots where the Nuggets, if they perform well, then they can at least give Jokic five minutes here, ten minutes there, 10 minutes less than what he would normally play. It means they have to play well. It doesn't necessarily mean he has to sit out games entirely, but playing him less minutes overall will keep him more fresh for the playoffs. The dude has played every single game for these Nuggets. 
I don't think he's played any less than about 20 minutes or so on this season. So he he just hasn't had a day off, and he doesn't want a day off either, but what's best for the Nuggets is to give him extra time here or there where he doesn't have to go 100% for 35 minutes a game. He's on pace right now to play the most minutes he's ever played during the regular season, and I don't think that's a great thing for Denver's playoff chances. So the Nuggets have to make sure that the bench is working well for this to happen. The scoring has to be there. They can't give up leads. Even if they play defensive lineups, those defensive lineups, for the most part, haven't done a good job scoring. And as a result, when they're turning the ball over, when teams aren't taking the ball out from under their basket, those teams are scoring in transition or, or ma- just making it tough on Denver defensively. So I think that Denver has to prioritize being able to score when Jokic is off the floor, and the defense will come. The defense will be fine. They know how to lock in, but you have to put your scorers in, a, in the best chance to perform. So I'm interested in seeing a lineup of Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, or Will Barton Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumlee as the primary bench lineup that the Nuggets should continue to develop. That's a lineup that could see time in the playoffs for sure. All those guys, especially Morris, Porter, and Grant, should have a role in the playoffs in my ideal world. Those guys will play a lot, so you have to get them ready. They have to be comfortable. So far, Porter, Grant, Plumlee lineups haven't been great. They've been better lately, but it's not perfect. So got to continue to develop it. Got to continue to get chemistry. Number nine on the list is taking care of business. Like I said, the, the schedule is a little bit easier now, but it gets really, really hard right after this week. The Nuggets play Golden State at home tonight. If you're listening on Tuesday, in a couple of days, they'll play at Charlotte. Then in another couple of days, they'll play at Cleveland. Those are three very winnable games. If the Nuggets take them seriously and put their put their foot on those teams' throats if they get up at a 15-point lead, if they can make that 30 points, it gives a lot of opportunities to rest Jokic and maybe play Porter a little bit more, maybe give him a little bit more of a leash to perform. I think that's really important that if you, if you take care of business in those games, You have to win the ones that you're supposed to win. The Rockets on Monday night lost to the Knicks. That's really bad. They were very lackadaisical. They didn't defend anybody. That score was 125 to 123. And they could have won that game. The Knicks were trying to give it away. They missed 11 free throws. But the Nuggets cannot be in that situation if they want to maintain the two seed. Or at least the top three seed. I think that's really important going forward. Number eight, this kind of goes back to that bench lineup that I was talking about. You have to identify lineups that can maximize your players. It's really easy to say, wow, any lineup with Nikola Jokic is pretty good. Well, that's mostly true. Some lineups, like the the Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, Nikola Jokic lineup, are actually really bad. It's not always the best way to utilize Nikola Jokic. It's, it's, <coughs> excuse me. Sometimes you don't just want to put defenders around him. You want to put guys who can score, guys who can make things easier for Jokic and make the offense continue to run. So, like I said at the beginning, that 
teams have to take the ball out from under their basket as opposed to getting shots in transition, getting runouts off of misses. Those are the easy ways to score points that usually make those lineups tough. If you're always putting the ball in the basket, then it makes it tougher for the opposing team. So I'm really interested in seeing what combinations Michael Malone goes with and under which circumstances he goes with them. The Nuggets did a good job all since December. They've used that Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, Nikola Jokic combo a lot. That lineup has been on the floor almost every single game. Every single game that those guys have been available, pretty much. And I've really liked it. I think that lineup has proven that it can be a trusted playoff lineup in most circumstances. With the length and athleticism and shooting combination of those two forwards around Jokic, there's a lot of potential there. Those guys are playoff players for sure. But what other lineups are there? The Monte Morris-Jamal Murray dual point guard lineup, that's been really great in limited time. The Jokic-Plumley lineup, two centers on the court at the same time, has been great. It hasn't really been used this year that much, but it's something that they should probably at least practice a little bit before getting into a playoff series when maybe you want to put extra size on the floor against a team like the Lakers when they have Anthony Davis and JaVale McGee out there, or Dwight Howard and LeBron James and guys like that. The lineups that have featured Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant have only played 23 minutes, but they're a plus 15. They're really good. Can they be a 4-5 combo at times? Can they be the 3-4 combo when playing next to Nikola Jokic? If they can do both of those things, that changes the game for Denver. They may be able to put a whole bunch of defense and mobility out there while still having a stretch 5 off the bench when Nikola Jokic is sitting. That would be... One of the best scenarios for Denver in a in a game six or a game seven where the pressure is really high, but guys on the perimeter are struggling to get to the basket. If Plumlee's out there, it makes it just a little bit harder. If Millsap is out there and his over 40% from three numbers, Jeremy Grant's nearly at 40% from three, that makes it a lot easier to score, makes it a lot easier to drive. So I'm interested in seeing if that lineup can defend and if that lineup's good enough. And then where does MPJ fit into this entire dynamic? Does he play more at small forward? Does he play more at power forward? Can he play shooting guard next to Jeremy Grant, Millsap, and Jokic? That would be probably my favorite lineup to counter the Los Angeles Clippers and Los Angeles Lakers. Because if you can play Murray, Porter, Grant, Millsap, Jokic, you have three guys out there at the two through four who are all at least six, seven. And that is probably the most dangerous Denver can be. Because how many shooting guards can defend Paul Millsap one-on-one? How many shooting guards can defend Michael Porter Jr. one-on-one when Jokic is passing him the ball on cuts? They can still run the Murray-Jokic two-man game if they have all three of those guys out there because those three might be the best off-ball shooters on the team. And then I I secretly think that Michael Porter Jr. might be Denver's best hope against Paul George in a Clippers series. And if he could guard him one-on-one at least comfortably and not give him the easy shots, then they could have something. They may be able to figure something out against that guy, against that team. They got blown out last game against the Clippers. 
but they didn't try Michael Porter Jr. on on Paul George. I would love to see that. I want to see if that's a real thing. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go through seven through four on the list of things that I think are the biggest remaining factors in the regular season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. seven on the list of the top 10 things that I'm looking for for the remainder of the year. Can the Nuggets continue to get Gary Harris and Will Barton back on track? Because right as Gary Harris right now looks like he's coming back out of his funk, looks like he's getting a little bit more comfortable with his shot, Will Barton doesn't look the same. He looks like he's dealing with something. He looks like he could be dealing with an injury. He's not shooting the ball the same way. He did go four of five from three against the Clippers, and I want to make sure that that's clear, that he he had a good shooting performance against that team, but he couldn't really drive. He couldn't really get around a guy like Kawhi Leonard or Paul George when he was guarding him. He turned the ball over four times. Thought there were definitely some factors there that he couldn't really handle size-wise athletically. So if he can't get to that point, the Nuggets need to... They need to know what other options they have. But the best thing for Denver would be if they could get Gary Harris and Will Barton back on track at the same time. Because both of those guys need to be on their game if they are going to start playoff games. They may not be able to stop guys like LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George. But they have to be able to contribute offensively in those situations if they want to stay on the floor. If they're floor spacers or cutters or creators off the dribble in a pinch, they need to be able to score if they can't defend. If the Nuggets can't defend the opposition when those guys are out there just because the opposing team is too large, that's a problem. That's an issue. So either you got to be comfortable putting them out there in a scoring situation or they probably can't be out there. And if not, Michael Malone may need to be even more creative with some of his lineup choices. So I think that's a really interesting point going into the final 22 games. Gary Harris looks good. He looks great coming back from the the abyss that he was in for a while. Will Barton had a really great start to the season, started trailing off as a shooter, got it back just a little bit. He's been shooting the ball reasonably well from the perimeter lately. But there's something there. There's something a little bit iffy that I I just can't really put my finger on right now. I I think he's probably dealing with an injury. But we'll just have to see. Because those guys are going to get a lot of minutes. It's going to be hard to just replace one of them with Torrey Craig. Because that limits the shooting a lot. If those guys can't shoot, then 
Denver's going to be in a in a really interesting spot come playoff time. Number six, I want to talk about the remaining matchups that Denver has versus their possible first-round opponents. They could technically face pretty much Dallas, Oklahoma City, Utah, or Houston or the Clippers in a first-round series, but I think that Houston and the Clippers are are much less likely. They they seem to be on a roll. I doubt that they are going to drop anywhere below like five, maybe even four. So if that's the case, if we know who the top four seeds are going to be, then I think Denver, their best interest would be to focus on the other three teams, Dallas, Oklahoma City, Utah. The Nuggets will play Dallas on March 11th and on April 13th. The first one is an away game. The next one is a home game. That's the second to last game of the year, that second one on on April 13th. I want to know how Denver is going to attack these teams, how those teams attack Denver, just to see where Denver thinks they have an advantage, where they want to exploit those teams. You don't want to give up a ton of strategy in those situations, but we're, we're going to see just how competitive those games are. I think they're going to be competitive. Oklahoma City, you're going to see them at OKC on March 20th and at home versus OKC on March 30th. Those are two games within the span of 10 days. That's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing whether Denver's performance against the small ball guard lineups was a fluke or if that's the reality that they may face. With Utah, they're going to face Utah again on April 5th. The That's the Hope Kids Day, of course, so make sure to donate to that. And then they're going to face Utah in the last game of the season on the road on a back-to-back, right after playing Dallas. So I'm interested in seeing how competitive these games are, what these teams show each other if they have to play each other in a potential playoff series. If you remember last year, when Denver played the San Antonio Spurs for the final time in the regular season, Greg Popovich got him got himself ejected within the first two minutes of the game. That was clearly intentional. He knew that they could play the, the Nuggets in a first-round series. He didn't want to put anything on film. He didn't want any anything to come out of that and say, hey, this is something that Denver could use against us. So he literally took himself out of the game. I And I think that worked. I think Denver got pushed to seven games just because they weren't really prepared at the start of that series. Lost game one, nearly lost game two, lost game three. That was that was almost it right there. So I'm interested in seeing how these games go. Are they competitive? They could mean a lot for playoff positioning, but you don't want to show your hand. We will see how that goes. Number five, team health. Paul Millsap is currently dealing with a sprained ankle that he sustained last Friday versus the Clippers. He's been in and out of the lineup with different injuries. Gary Harris is obviously prone to stuff. His core injury, is that still bothering him? Does it limit him like it did Wancho and Plumlee in years past? I think we've already seen that a lot with his shooting. Uh, Does that continue to limit him getting to the rim? Can he continue to be the Gary Harris that the Nuggets need heading into the playoffs, heading into a deep playoff series? Does he tire after a little bit? 
we're going to have to see how this goes because I'm interested in seeing what Denver's pivot point is if that doesn't work because Denver's counting on their starters a lot. Jamal Murray obviously is an equal and is always an injury risk. He's got those nicks and bruises. He rolled his ankle on January 15th. I think there's going to be some interesting stuff with Jamal that if he continues to shoot well, if he continues to shoot a lot of threes, that may prevent some of those injuries. Steph Curry really upped his three-point shots. Damian Lillard upped his three-point shots. And those guys stopped dealing with a lot of injuries. Now, Curry did have a, a bad ankle roll, I'm pretty sure, and that's kept him out for a significant amount of time lately. But for the majority of his career, for the times that he needed to be out there, he was out there. He was ready. He was good. Damian Lillard rarely misses games when he needs to. He's missing games right now, but it's the first time in years. If Murray continues to shoot, if he continues to avoid contact a little bit, that might be the best thing for his health long term. And it might be the best for the Nuggets going forward, that if he can shoot that well, they could jump up a level. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And then, of course, Nikola Jokic. Is he fully healthy heading into the playoffs? If so, he's probably one of the most five dangerous playoff players in the NBA right now. I firmly believe that he has shown his abilities when the game is on the line, when he has a mismatch, he can go to work. I'm looking forward to it. And then number four on this list of the 10 things that I am looking for for the remainder of the regular season. These games versus the Lakers and the Clippers on March 15th and March 18th, respectively, that's a big deal. That is a huge, huge deal. The Lakers game may not mean a lot in the standings from a from the perspective of the Nuggets trying to catch the Lakers, but it's a game that they have to win. It's a game that they could it could be a measuring stick game that is not just that is not necessarily meaningful in the standings, but it would be a big boost in morale if the Nuggets played against LeBron James and Anthony Davis and came out on top. They haven't done that yet. That could be a really big key going forward. Could be a really big key in the national media saying, okay, at least they have the capability to defeat these teams. It would give me a lot more confidence as, as a writer, as a fan, that if they have the capability to defeat those teams, then it might mean a little bit more. The Clippers game, of course, is a massive one. Not just because of morale, not just because Denver got embarrassed, but for standing purposes. If the Nuggets are in a situation where they're in a three-way tie with the Clippers and the Rockets going into the final couple of games, it will be a big deal if Denver had won this game because they'll have won the season series and thereby they get they have another opportunity to just get a little bit of an edge up in the standings over a team like the Clippers. That would be a big, big deal. I'm interested in seeing that. I'm interested in seeing how Denver deals with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Their strategy last, last week clearly didn't work. That's a measuring stick game for sure. How does Michael Porter Jr. play in that? 
Does he add more size to that matchup? Or is Michael Malone willing to throw him out there in those situations against the Lakers and the Clippers? He hasn't been so far. Those are those are games that he just hasn't played that much. Michael Malone hasn't trusted him. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. I think he could be a big factor. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I will break down my top three points for the rest of the regular season. We'll be right back. Stiffs, Ryan Blackburn here at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Make sure to follow everything we're doing at Denver Stiffs. Make sure to check out the charity event that we are putting on with the help of DNVR, with the help of the Nuggets and Hoop Swag. Having a lot of fun being in the building for these Nuggets games. And so if you have an opportunity to give a child with cancer a family that's been dealing with a life-threatening illness to one of their children. Let them have the same joy because that's one of the situations that they may not get back. So keep that in mind. All right, let's get into this last top three points. The third one, the third most important thing that I'm looking for for the remainder of the season is Jamal Murray's three-point shot. Ever since returning from his ankle injury, he's had 10 games. Overall, he's been wonderful. 23.4 points per game, 5.6 assists. His shooting splits are the key, though. He has had a 54% from the field, 43% from three, and 75% from the free throw line. On an aside, that that free throw percentage drop is a little bit odd. That was he's he's missed a couple of technical free throws, things like that, over these last few games. And he he is not happy with himself. Um, that'll probably straighten out. He's shooting 89% from the free throw line still. But you want somebody who's automatic from the free throw line in the playoffs. Uh, Murray won games last year, especially against Portland, when he had to go to the free throw line. There were several games where he was the guy taking shots at the end. And he was clutch. He was absolutely wonderful in those series. So the biggest change in Murray's game this year, though, especially the last 10 games, has been his increase in threes attempted. On the year, he's averaging about five and a half three-pointers attempted per game. In the last 10 games, he's averaging 6.9, so nearly seven. He's had six games where he's attempting eight or more. That's a really big deal because so much of the league around him, so much of the players, the elite players around him are letting it fly, are hunting that three ball, making sure that they get off as valuable of shots as possible. Murray is clearly very comfortable in the mid-range where he's dancing with the ball in his hands, has a step back, he has the leaning fadeaway. He can get into the post a little bit. He's got a little bit of a floater game, especially some of those awkward shots. He's a good horse player. He knows exactly the kind of shot that he needs to get 
and he's got great touch from the in-between game. But those shots just aren't as valuable overall if you can create a bunch of threes, because three is just worth more than two, and if he shoots 50% from the mid-range two, but 40% from the mid-range or from the three, he's actually getting himself more points if he's shooting threes. That could mean the difference between a win and a loss for Denver. And it actually did mean the difference between a win and a loss last time, like in game seven of the Western Conference semifinals. He couldn't hit a three in that game. He barely attempted any. He mostly attempted mid-range shots and and shots at the rim, floaters, things like that. Didn't have himself a great game, and that was that. The Nuggets were done. I've been really encouraged with what he has done over the last several games, though. He's at his best when he's hunting for that three ball. During this last game against the Raptors, he was taking some ambitious shots. He had it going. He was more than comfortable taking shots from 28 feet, 29 feet, several feet behind the line, and he was making them. He has that range. He has that ability. When he's comfortable doing it, he makes it happen. He hasn't been as comfortable for most of that time, though, and so he's obviously more comfortable most of the time with the mid-range shot, and that's just where he normally lands. So I think the best thing for the Nuggets and the best thing for Murray If he wants to be an all-star, if he wants this Nuggets team to win a championship, he has to shoot the three. And he's done that. He's done a great job. Can he be a 40% three-point shooter on high volume in the playoffs? Last year, he shot 33.7% on 5.7 threes per game. Can he up those marks? Can he get up over six threes a game and 35% from three, seven threes per game and 38% from three? The playmaking guards that hit six or that attempted six threes a game and shot over 35% from three in the playoffs last year. Curry, Kyle Lowry, James Harden, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Eric Gordon, Malcolm Brogdon, basically your who's who of elite guards, and then the playoff performers, then the guys who really come to play. I'm looking forward to seeing if he can take that step because I think if he wants to be an elite playoff guard, you have to hit that three well and you have to hit it frequently. You have to take a lot of them. I think he can do it. The second to last point, or the the second most important point, I would say, the playoff seeding for Denver and for the Los Angeles teams. I don't really think that Denver cares who they face in the first round between Utah, Dallas, OKC. Those three teams, they all present their unique challenges. They're vastly different. They're about the same level. Doncic and Porzingis on the Mavs, it's really centered around those two guys. CP3, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Dennis Schroeder, Gallinari, Steven Adams, those guys are on the Thunder, and they're all pretty well tested. They know how to play in the playoffs. None of those guys may be as good individually as Luka Doncic, but the the volume there, they could be greater than the sum of their parts. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing how they stack up and how Denver deals with that three guard lineup. And then with the Jazz, you have the Mitchell and Gobert dynamic. Donovan Mitchell really elevates their offense. Rudy Gobert elevates their defense. They have scorers and creators around those guys like 
Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley, though though Mike has not looked great, of course, he could turn that around in the playoffs and he could look like a completely different player. I don't think Denver cares which of those three teams they face. That could change in the next six weeks as they play those teams a combined six times. But I think those teams all have the capability to upset Denver. And I think those teams all have the capability to be beaten by Denver in five games. It could be either or. I don't know which one is more likely. I think Denver has a good pulse on it, though, and I don't think they care because they're going to have to face a good team anyway. That's just how the West is. So they're looking forward to it. But Denver's worst scenario in the playoffs is if they drop to four and the Clippers drop to five or vice versa, and then they have to be in the same side of the bracket as the Lakers. The Lakers are going to get through the Grizzlies or the Pelicans or whoever very easily. And they're going to be waiting for the Nuggets and the Clippers, the winner of that series, to duke it out and really battle. The Nuggets don't necessarily match up well with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and guys like that, and that would be really tough. That's a very talented team. And then you have to turn around and face the Lakers at one. That would be really tough. Denver needs a top three seed. If they want to have a realistic shot at getting to the conference finals, maybe even getting to the NBA Finals, they have to be a top three seed. They have to force one of Houston or one of or one of Houston or LA Clippers to the four seed. Preferably, of course, the Clippers. You would rather face one of the LA teams in the conference finals if you're lucky enough to make it there. You would much rather face the Houston Rockets, who the Nuggets have a pretty big mismatch on in the middle of the paint with Nikola Jokic. That team prides themselves on being really good post defenders, being really good with their switching offense, how they can't be moved by big men. Nikola Jokic is different, though. He's a different player. He has more touch than those guys that they they have all that pride against, and he can shoot over them, and he can hit those contested five- to nine-foot shots very consistently. I think that Denver can win that series, though it would be a toss-up. The the Rockets are pretty close in talent to what the Nuggets are. What they can't have, of course, is having to face the Lakers in the second round because that's just a really tough situation. It's a tough matchup. So you really got to work for that top three seed. I think that's probably the best situation if they get the two seed. And Utah got the seventh seed. I think Denver matches up best with Utah. They have the guards and wings to throw at Donovan Mitchell. Jokic seems to have figured out Gobert. Jokic also has a pretty big mismatch, of course, against the Rockets. So if there is a path for the Nuggets to make a conference finals this year, that would be the one that I would see. I see that as the easiest way to get there. It's not going to be easy. It never is. Winning in the playoffs is hard. But that would be the best way to do it, I think. And then last, but certainly not least, the top point that I am looking for for the rest of the year. Michael Porter Jr.'s development and the number of minutes that he gets in the last 22 games of the year. He is the one factor 
other than Nikola Jokic in a Lakers or Clippers series that those teams just may not be able to game plan for. Those teams can throw size at Jamal Murray. They can match up one-on-one with Gary Harris and Will Barton, force those guys to beat them. They can double-team Nikola Jokic and get the ball out of his hands, and he'll find guys and he'll rack up assists, but he's going to have a tough time scoring over that. Porter, he's young, he's a rookie, he can make major mistakes on defense, but he can also shoot the heck out of the rock from anywhere on the floor. And that just matters more in the playoff setting than defense does. It just does. You can work around defensive issues. Defense is played by five people at the same time. One of them could be lacking, and you can still make it work. Whereas, if you have a guy who can score on other people one-on-one, who's a mismatch threat, who can jump over smaller players, who can get around taller players, who can take them out to the to isolate on the perimeter, or can drive past them and dunk on them, or rebound offensively. That matters. Especially in the playoffs when teams start to game plan for your best stuff. What happens if a team takes away Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray? Or at least takes away that two-man game? They slow it down. Jamal's not having a great night. He's 6 of 18. You can't play him, or you can't you can't go through him the entire time during the last three minutes because he's got Kawhi freaking Leonard on him, and Kawhi is going at him. So what do you do? What do you do in those situations if you're the Nuggets and you're trying to maintain a lead? Do you just go to Will Barton, who's guarded by Paul George? Or Patrick Beverly for some reason? That's a tough matchup. It's just tough. It's The playoffs are hard, and, and you're going to come up into these situations where sometimes you just need a guy who can go get a bucket who can shoot the hell out of the ball, who can make plays one-on-one, and can just dominate no matter whether a team is game planning for you or not. If he can get his shot off and he can make that efficiently, he has to play. How much time Michael Porter Jr. plays over the next six weeks is going to tell me all I need to know about how serious Michael Malone is about using his scoring talent in the postseason. These next three games, they're a perfect opportunity to get him a bunch of time to let him loose to see what he can do with those extra touches and those minutes with Jokic, especially if Paul Millsap is out. If Paul Millsap is out, then Michael then Michael Porter Jr. has an opportunity to play next to Nikola Jokic for a significant time against Golden State, Charlotte, and Cleveland. Those are all bad teams. Denver can win all three of those games, even if Porter is making mistakes defensively. They can do it, and he hasn't been as bad over these last few games. He's had some times where he's not playing very well. Sometimes he's he's rotated or he forgets where his assignment is, and sometimes he lets go an open shot. But he gets a lot of it back offensively. And cultivating that talent, continuing to help him grow, is not just going to help the Nuggets for the future, because that's a given. It's going to help the Nuggets for now. How many players on this team can create their own shot competently? I think you can go with Murray, you can go with Barton, 
you can go with Jokic, maybe Monte Morris. Paul Millsap has had layoffs. I don't know if you want Jeremy Grant isolating. I don't know if you want Gary Harris isolating. They traded Malik Beasley. It has to be Michael Porter Jr. If those first couple of options are limited, you just need another one. That's what the Blazers did when they inserted Rodney Hood into the lineup. That was just an option that the Nuggets could not account for. Michael Porter Jr. could be that option. He could be the guy that comes off the bench, gives them a boost, puts up 20-plus points in a playoff game, and that's just what you need. That's just enough to really make it work. If he and Nikola Jokic develop rock-solid chemistry over these next six weeks, there are very few teams that can match up with both of those guys at the same time. The Clippers can't match up with Jokic. They like to double. If they double, then Porter gets an opportunity to shine. The Lakers, they can probably match up with Jokic with Anthony Davis. But who's matching up with Michael Porter Jr. in that situation? Is it LeBron James? If LeBron was trying 100% on defense, then probably. Do you want him to do that for a full 48 minutes? Do you want him to have to chase around everybody? If Porter can continue to create his own shot, that's just something that the Clippers and the Lakers may not be able to account for every night. So I truly believe that Denver has about a 20% chance against the Clippers or the Lakers without MPJ. With a confident MPJ, that percentage jumps into the 30s, maybe even the 40s. Those teams are really good. They are the, they're one of the three primary title contenders. Anytime you could get something into a 30%, 35%, 40% chance that you could upset a team, that's a big deal. They're not going to do that without them, or at least the percentage that they can is not very high. If he's out there, if he's comfortable, he could make a major difference for this Nuggets team going forward. I have zero doubt in my mind. I have a lot of confidence that he will rise to that occasion. He is wired that way. He is ready to go. There is nobody who's more confident in Porter than Porter. He is very, very good. And he could be the missing link. He just could. I was very skeptical at the beginning. I'm not anymore. I'm fully bought in. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening throughout. Going to be back on Thursday night, Friday morning with the Denver Stiff Show following that game against the Charlotte Hornets. Should be interesting. There are some games around the association that are going on this week that you want to check out. If you are interested in looking at those important games that matter, check out my NBA snapshot article that went up on Denver Stiffs yesterday. It's a fun piece that I do. It's a recurring piece of content. Keeps you up to date on where everybody's at. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to donate to the Hope Kids charity event. And I will see you guys soon.